Present day. <laughs> Present time. <laughs> And you don't seem to understand A shame you seemed an honest man And all the fears you hold today Will turn to whisper in your ear And you know what they say might hurt you And you know that it means so much And you don't even Hello and welcome to BakaCast, episode 370. No, 371. 371. Um, I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Hello. Ben. What's up? And, of course, Aaron, uh, even though he tries to hide himself. Insert chirping crickets here. As always, you can find show notes for this episode at www.projecthari.net or at audioentropy.com. And uh, we will uh, be... uh, We were going to review Batman Ninja on this episode, uh, but uh, Ben and uh, Aaron did not get around to it, um, so we will instead uh, talk about it on the next episode. So instead, uh, we will be finishing up our reviews for Serial Experiments Lane and Mob Psycho. So let's start with the uh, retro review for uh, Serial Experiments Lane, episodes 7 through 13, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) So so Lane builds the first uh, supercomputer, the do-it-yourself kit with uh, tubes and hoses all over a room. Yeah, you know, no problem. No, yeah, this is like, what instruction book? You know, I got all my instructions off the web. Sure. Yeah, these this latter half is where uh where Lane herself sort of starts to break down. Um and it really gets kind of funky. Um <laughs> Especially, like, in the last few episodes where you start to have questions of, um, you know, uh, where sort of that god figure tries to convince Lane to give up her body as, like, look, when you were created, you weren't, you weren't, like, a normal child. You were sort of, you were... Uh, you were created in the wired, and then I gave you a physical form. So you never had this to begin with. It's just a limitation. Just give up that body and come join us. And Lane actually has a like an episode or two where you know she's like seriously considering whether or not she actually does want to do that. Whether she wants to commit suicide and just sort of discard her physical shell uh because she's not because she's depressed and she's not really sure if people even people in the real world even care about her being around uh and it's kind of (laughs) rough 
Uh, it's pretty you know, sad. He, he tells her she's a piece of software, an interface, uh, yeah. which the serial experiments part of the lane comes from. She's she's a serial interface. Uh, at that time, RS-232 would have been popular, but also USB, the one-all serial interface, had just been introduced. And I think that's... What they yeah, were, I was gonna say had had USB been introduced at that point because I 90, can't remember when USB 90, one USB one was introduced. 90, so it had been out okay. uh, two years when uh, when and who knows when these when the story for Lane was written. But yeah, because that that was some of the research that I did when I watched it the first time. Is yeah, USB one point one had just it was in its infancy, and it was supposed to be. Like Aaron said, the one-all, be-all, plug everything in, make everything work. Oh, then FireWire <laughs> then showed up, then 1394 then showed up. Then Okay, anyway. Optical. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Lane is supposedly a piece of rogue software that can take human form. Well, can take human form is uh, not quite it. It's more like that uh, it's that more like that uh, a very you know a very involved project of giving her a human form was uh, put into place you know well, with that... her 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 quote parents like overseeing the project yeah well the thing is is she doesn't age because in the last episode, she catches up with Arissa at least ten years later, and she's still fourteen, and Arissa's not. Well, at at that point, that's post "I Am God." Yeah, yeah. At that point, like she does kind of eschew her physical form, um, it like in order to sort of reset things, so all the bad stuff that happened because of her influence. Uh, the influence of sort of her her dark self, uh, for lack of a better term, doesn't happen. Uh, so I took that to mean like that is sort of like the first time she's really given herself a physical form since the events of that show. Uh, like since uh, that change happened. Okay. I, buy that. Though I could be totally wrong. Like, there... There are things in Lane that are not fully explained, um, and I don't think I don't, I don't think it's because they were lazy, but rather because they intended some of the events to be left ambiguous. Uh, there yeah, is also is, is a she lot a... of side material that obviously never got translated. Uh, there's both a game and an art book that includes a manga and a bunch of other things. But for the like, most part, like a visual novel. No, it's uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think what you've got is Lane at the end being uh, portrayed as a uh, big brother, but not omnipotent, but always observing. Yeah, sort of. That that does seem to be the implication. Where like, you know, she. In order to make things better, she does sort of remove herself from the world and people's memories. But because of the time she spent as, like, a flesh-and-blood human, 
she has that affection for humanity and that desire to interact with people and to be remembered by people. So, like, she will still take physical form and interact with people in, in order in order to do that. Yeah. So that's like I said. That's that's a uh, that's a fancy big brother. Is basically yes. she she sees everything, knows everything. Uh, but she's also a buffer to keep bad and good, good and evil, uh, separated to where yeah, they, so it's, where it's they not, can't conflict. Yeah. So it's interesting because it, in the end, like she doesn't completely reject the things that you know the her supposed creator, um, like says she should be, but um, she does temper like what he wants her to be with like the humanity that she she sort of grown grew accustomed to because like he kind of wanted her to be uh, correct me if i'm wrong no. if i'm interpreting this wrong aaron but he kind of wanted her to be like a just straight up computer god <laughs> um and to sort of like reject humanity like to reject her humanity entirely um whereas she's like well look yeah i'll, I'll sort of like I will be this computer entity, but also like I want to still be in the real world, and I want to still sort of remember what it's like to be human, or at least that's the impression I got. Yeah, well, I think the buffer between the wired world and the real world is probably the best description of Lane. But she's also all-seeing, all-knowing, all-observant, but she's not interjecting herself. She's just sitting quietly on the side lines and watching. Yeah, that seems to be a good way to describe it. The, the one thing I'm still unclear about is sort of what caused sort of the dark lane that like made problems for everybody that's still a little bit unclear to me well i like there, what what caused her personality to split like that well it's there was a there was a movie quite a few years back called forbidden planet and in it the race that was on the planet had developed uh the ability to operate equipment without instrumentality in other words they could do it with their minds and the, what did in the civilization in that movie is the brink of throwing the switch, the id, the uh, dark side uh, monsters from within, took over the instrumentality and it killed the race off overnight. They, they killed each other off overnight. And I think what we saw was the split between the conscious and subconscious lane where the evil, dark, <clears throat> mischievous subconscious lane and then the conscious no i can't do that lane were portrayed hmm. so here's the thing with lane you don't need to watch it all you need to do <laughs> is listen to the first six words of the opening uh yeah. Okay, hold on. It can't be present day, present time, because that's four words. No, the actual, the opening song. 
Yeah. Sung by the British oh, group BOA. Oh, I, I, you don't need to understand. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first six words. Wait, what do you say? <laughs> I cut out. You, you don't need to understand. Yep, that'd be it. Or, okay. Yes, and you don't seem to understand. Okay. You don't seem to understand. Okay, I I got need. Um, but yeah, like um, that that is kind of sort of one of my main issues with Lane. I like the series a lot and appreciate what it's trying to go for. Um, but I think overall it's almost like a little too um vague and ambiguous at times and while there are certainly like uh times where that can be a useful narrative construct um there are also plenty of times in lane where it just leads me to go like okay well what what am i supposed to be getting from this particular episode and like what is lane's actual conflict right now um sort of what what is the way forward um, and I find my I found myself sort of being a little unclear as to even you know what what sort of the current you know plot even was, um, especially like near the end of the series. Um, uh, I also just find it found it at times hard to concentrate on what was happening uh, just due to the sort of directorial style. Um, so yeah, if, if I have any issues with Lane, those would be my main ones, um, in that it is, uh, it is sort of ambiguous, almost to the, almost to the point of, um, pushing me away from it, I, sh uh, I think is a good way of f sort of phrasing what was happening to me, what was happening to me while I was watching it, because like, Got, like I wanted to, uh, I wanted to like really, really enjoy Lane with no caveats, but it kept, but it kept making it almost unnecessarily hard for me. It felt. Well, I remember one of the original reviewers saying that Serial Experiments Lane is not for everybody, and not everybody's going to like it or get anything from it. So, that's that's an understandable. The thing with Lane is that every interpretation is correct. There, there is no, you're absolutely wrong on this. No. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I can go with that. Also, Dustin, did you put the uh, present day, present time on the first podcast? Uh, I Thankfully, I remembered to, I just remembered I need to do that, so uh, I'm cr actually currently editing that one, so okay. I, I will be putting that in there. <laughs> So you can put this in there for this one. Oh, okay, what is... What is this? It's a bomb. Quick run. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember this one. Okay, yeah, I'll put that in there. What's that one? Oh, wait, that's not the, uh... Oops, that one's the wrong one. Hold on. Oh, okay. Here we go. This is the one I wanted because it's uh it's much better in English. Okay. 
Wait, that just... You just did it twice. That's, it that's the same one. It did Wait. it twice. Definitely cutting this part out of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay, ignore me. Ignore me. I don't understand how anything works. Okay. But yeah. So what what bit are you trying to get in there? Uh, it's, it's it's a segment of this newscaster saying, "Let's all love Lane over and over again." <laughs> okay, oh, that would work. That would uh, that would be appropriate. Anyway, I am cutting this entire part out because it's extremely boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> Returning to our but, review. But yeah, so. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess, and I guess, if I wanted to play devil's advocate for like the idea that all interpretations are, are valid, um, like the argument there would be like, well, if all interpret are, if all interpretations are valid, then sort of what is the point of the plot? What message is the show trying to get across? Um, if, if like, you can just, it, like, if it's, if it's so vague that everything is just, like, if everything goes, like, what is the show actually trying to say, would be uh, my question. Uh, I think it's trying to issue a warning about the future of the web. See, that's what I initially suspected, but that gets a little muddled in the second half, because... Well, um, in the second half, it's like, well, actually, Lane being this computer entity is a good thing. <laughs> but the thing is, you have to remember is we're looking at this show 20 years hence. You know, we know a lot of things that have happened that the original viewer would not have known. So well, we're, try we're, we're, inter we're interpreting... Um, from a stack well, I, deck. Okay, well, sort of ignoring how the how the internet has like affected us in modern time. How does the second like I, I can see the argument for the first half communicating that we need to be careful about you know uh, the internet and sort of how we use it, particularly in a sort of mass media and social setting. But how does the second half of Lane forward that message? I don't think it forwards it. I think it, it's offering a, set, a different message. It's like, you know, be careful what you wish for and look what you're offered. Don't blindly jump into stuff. So uh, I, I'm still not entirely sure how the second half of Lane really says that because it, it seems mostly tied up in Lane's personal drama of um, of like dealing with events that happened before the show even starts like trying to correct errors that happened before we even before even the first episode occurs um, and she ends up doing that by surrendering entirely essentially well almost entirely to the wired and removing her physical presence almost entirely um 
Yeah, so, like, that's what gets me, is the second half seems almost at odds with where the first half of it is going, um, and it seems to be less about, like, being a cautionary tale about the power of, um, like, uh, this connected experience through the internet and what it can be used for, and more just about, like, the mythology of the world. Um, well, okay, what I think is, I think, I think what it's more, I think the through line here is, it's about social connection, uh, because, I mean, because a big part of, uh, a big part of what is, uh, what motivates Lane in, you know, to do what she does in the second half of the show is her friendship with uh, with Alice. Uh. Yeah, like that that definitely is a big motivator on her um like ending up making the sacrifice that she does to reset things. Um I don't know. It's it's just it's just difficult for me to like figure out what exactly is Lane's overarching point. Um, like it, I'm still struggling to find out like what is this show like trying to communicate um, about the internet, um, and that sort of gets weird when you introduce stuff like concepts like you know, digital gods, because at that point, like, Lane is, like, isn't really much of a stand-in for, like, us, the viewer, who is interacting with the internet, like, on a more, you know, realistic, grounded level. She is far beyond that. She can, she can influence the uh, net in ways that, you know we can't or even like even large corporations can't um so at that like at that point like any any sort of lesson she learns like how how do we apply that um to our own use of the web like what are we supposed to learn from um lane's own character development because ultimately like the reason why we watch characters like grow and learn is that so we can also grow and learn from them ultimately um and and i i don't really know i'm still struggling um to find out like you know what i like what i can learn from this congrats you now understand lane well, okay. as, That's, as, see, as see, previously that stated. is a cop-out <laughs> that no I won't let you do that that is just straight up a cop-out as previously stated uh, I, like well let, let me ask you Aaron Lane. you need to understand that okay. you will not understand Lane no that's that is bullshit <laughs> I'm just gonna straight up call that bullshit that is a cop-out when you when you watched Lane what was your takeaway from Lane 
basically that we are all going to end up being screwed over by this overarching network that is rapidly becoming a reality. Okay, now see, there we go. That's something. So, I, I definitely think that that is a big part of the show. I just wish... My main point is I just wish that was integrated better with the stuff that Lane goes through in the second part of the episode. Because at that point, it's... At that point, she's not someone who's been caught up in um like this big mess we find out she is actually sort of like almost the originator of it and the one who can control it and i think that's where the disconnect happens from happens for me is when lane's relationship with the wired changes that drastically um i think it worked a lot better when she was someone who had an affinity for the wired and who was good at it just good at it just good at it enough that she could be dangerous. Um, but not like this, like, omnipotent internet god being. I think that's where Lane loses me. Um, and I think where it muddles its message. And that's sort of, like, ultimately, like, what I was trying to get at. But yeah, I, I do agree with you, Aaron, that that is also my takeaway from it, ultimately. I just wish it was integrated better in the second half. Hmm. But you know me, I have to be a negative Nancy. <laughs> no, that's, the only reason this podcast has worked as well over the years that it has is because we don't think alike. And every once in a while, one of us gets really enlightened. Hello, enlightened person. Right. This is one of the things. This is one of the things I, I like about this new for this format we're doing now is because I can dig deeper into these shows, like even shows I really like, which I do still really like Lane, but also I have a better. I'm when I'm talking about the whole the series like as a whole, I feel like I'm better equipped to ask these sorts of questions because it's it's no we're not in this scenario where where we're going. Well, we'll see what happens in the next episode. We can say okay, we know what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. As far as individual I don't know. episodes go, uh, <laughs> episode eleven is uh is weird. It's the episode yeah. that uh, is like a recap episode set to music video. Yeah, that one I really didn't care for that much. Like, even what? as a recap episode, it was... Uh, I, I didn't like it. And God, I did not like the music. <laughs> yeah. It... Which is a shame, because like, normally I really like Lane's music choices and sound design, but holy... That, that music was not good. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm real curious as to, like, I wonder if, I don't know, I just wonder what they were doing there. Um, well, you, I you think, suspect I that, think you suspect that maybe that was not planned. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think it it mostly worked for me uh, in that I think a part of the the point of that like half of the episode basically. It was just like the first half of the episode where they you know, ran through that was basically a, 
it's like Lane processing everything that had happened to her and trying to make sense of it going forward. Yeah, the, the framing device was pretty clear. Um, I just felt like it was still a really awkward way of doing that. Um, especially mm-hmm. since it took up like nearly half the episode of just like flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as yeah, I think I think there was too much. It, it, it went on too long. I think was yeah. the problem. If, yeah. if it had been if it had been just like half as long that sequence had been half as long as it was, I think it would have been more effective. Yeah, I agree. But 20 years ago, how fast were computers? You know, it, it took all day. It took all day to, to, to say, oh, hi, would you like to log in? I think, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, okay, let's do this. Hey, you're, you're saying that because Lane was working with a single core processor, her flashbacks were bottlenecked. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, again, you know, we... It, it has to be taken into account the age of the show. Yes, it's worn well, but it's also well worn. Uh, yeah. Oh, what's sort of interesting, you know, it's sort of interesting, and this it doesn't just it doesn't just apply to Lane, but what's sort of interesting is the way that like people use this as a shorthand for like things that are futuristic and cutting edge is basically analog effects. Like, yeah. TV static. That's analog as hell. How is that the wave of the future? <laughs> 20 years, excuse me. Were we broadcasting I, that, that digital? Just, we, were you were not broadcasting digital 20 years ago? That, like, that feels, that definitely feels like influence from, like, a lot of cyberpunk media at the time, including, like, uh, Including like the, some non cyberpunk stuff as well, like uh, Alien. Um, Alien also had a future that depicted like space truckers in a highly advanced like space truck, like Blade Runner. except like all their computers were CRT monitors, yeah. <laughs> and like still still had like that um, like a monochrome green yeah. color. You had Blade Runner with the, uh, the VHS and cassette tapes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and v- yeah, Blade Runner that the VHS effects, but they could enhance photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's right. The, it, yeah, it's that's from the eighty two eighty six generation. You know, where you turn the computer on and says, "Hi, I'll be with you in a week." Hope no, you need to do the, something important right now. But it's not just that. It's just that even now, even now, like these analog effects are still the shorthand. For t- are still the shorthand for, uh, you know, for talking yeah. about the future. Because yeah. well, a lot of times it's just more dramatic. Like, uh, like when, when it's not as, weird computers... It's not as interesting when stuff just works. Yeah, and also, and also it's not as interesting, like, when stuff doesn't work with modern systems, like, your screen just goes black. Like, that's not exciting. That's not. That's that's that doesn't no, make for like an goes, interesting cinematic effect. When it goes um, blue, it's exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the first. Okay, the first line of Williams Gibson's Neuromancer. I still remember this line. The sky over the port was the color of television tuned to a dead channel. 
Yeah. Black and white uh, and snow. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and, and, and people have riffed on that. Like, I remember there was a, uh, I remember, yeah, there, there was like a more recent book, uh, like riffed on that line by saying like the, the sky was the, like, uh, you know, was the clear blue of a television tuned to a dead channel, you know, because that's the thing is that like, you know, of course, you know, Gibson was writing his thing in the early eighties and he was sort of, but, uh, you know, but, but of course now, you know, when it, you know, when the television is, you know, at a dead channel, it's just, just a blank blue screen. Yeah. And I think also, I also think like the analog effects are important to just like Lane's like general thematic content because, um, the physicality of the wired, uh, is important to the show. Like we, we get it from the thrumming sounds of the power lines in the first episode. Um, in every from, episode. Yeah. In every episode, we get it from like the weird, like setup that uh computer setup lane eventually gets by episode six, where her computer is this mass of tubes, um, and like valves and, and what seem like, to be pressure cookers. Yeah, like occasionally steam comes out. Like it's it's not the sort of sterile, um, sterile, just like completely digital stuff that we're used to today. Yeah. There's an important physical aspect to the technology in Lane because Lane does play with that boundary that liminal space between the physical and the digital. So to have it sort of play around in that space with the digital stuff making sounds and um, like having effects that we can clearly see and hear and in some cases touch is like also just important for Lane specifically. Um, so it, I think it's a combination of both. That's kind of like what cyberpunk was doing at the time. Um, but also Lane kind of leaned into that um, because of what it was trying to do. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. It's just, it's just, the, it's just something that popped out of me. As oh yeah, no, definitely. I just, just want to take what you were saying and run with it. Um, oh, yeah, you ran far too. And and yeah, because that's because because uh, overall, like the sound design of the show, I think is a real strength. Well, you have to. Oh that. yeah. Definitely. Well, and you were talking about the the hum of the. Remember, every time that she was in, you could tell when she was in the web because there was no hum. You know, I never noticed that, but that's a good point. Aaron, is that accurate? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Because that'd be okay. That's that's pretty cool. That's that's a neat thing to point out. Well, and you know, it's the the internet's biggest enemy still to this day is noise. A noisy, noisy, I mean, let's go back to the days where we were on dial-up and you had water in the phone lines and you tried to hook up to the internet and it'd go... God, yeah, that dial-up, that's another thing. We used to be able to hear when our computer was connecting to the internet. (laughs) 
Yes, it would, and, and then sometimes what was great is when you would dial in, and all of a sudden it'd start making noise, and it says, "I'm sorry, the number you've called is no longer in service." It's like, what, what? Because you'd overloaded some PBX, poor PBX station somewhere down the line, and it went gack. Oh yeah, I remember dial-up. <laughs> yep, good times. Yeah. Uh. At the airport for the longest time until the cable company finally got mad and brought cable out to the neighborhood. Yeah, up until the uh, early 2000s, we had dial-up at the airport. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. You know, try to order, try to try to order parts, and then all of a sudden somebody pick up the payphone, tap the th- receiver two or three times, your connection would interrupt because they say, "Oh, hey, they're using the payphone. We're making money off of this." Click. <clears throat> Yeah. I also really love episode nine with uh, the history dump. Oh yeah, I like, and I also like the the way they uh, they sort of weave the fake history of the show in with like the real history of like proto internet pioneers. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. So it's like you know, it's like so like there's this technological through line from like you know Vannevar Bush to Ted Nelson to. Let's see, Masami Airy, which was, I thought that, yeah, that was kind of cool, actually. I, uh, oh, oh, I think you just cut out, Ben. Uh, I, I can hear you. I, I wasn't saying anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. It sounded like you just got cut off mid-sentence. Yeah, it's like I was going to go, I just... I just stopped talking. All right, you just finish your thought. Okay, yeah. just want to make sure. Okay, good. Um, so yes, in, in in going through lane here, which we could probably dissect for another four or five hours. Uh, oh, did did everybody think it was worth watching? Oh yeah, it was definitely. Oh, worth certainly. It. Yeah, it was definitely worth watching. I really I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, but just not unreservedly. Uh, so I will give the series overall a four. I believe I can live with Benjamin's four. Yeah, I will also give it a four. It gets a five for me. Well, because you know, it's I it's love like, it so uh, much. Well, and, and so did I. <laughs> so did a few other things you love. So yeah, we can understand that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Um, if we are done with Lane, we'll now move on to Mob Psycho 100. Oh, hold on. Uh, episodes. Oh, yeah? Uh, was there anyone that didn't quite understand why Lane got reality warping powers? Uh, well, let's see. That 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 comes in with the uh, the way that they... Uh, let's see, I they, just sort of went used... with it, but I don't know why. It's... <laughs> No, uh, yeah, like okay, the yeah the pseudo physics evidently is that uh, tuning the resonance to the let's see the frequency of the Earth's magnetic field or something. Ding ding uh, ding ding ding. Turn. Yeah. Yep. Turns out to be turns out to be what enables reality warping. Yeah, effectively, since she can uh, change things in the wired, and she's the sort of. Uh, 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 crossover between the wired and it's simply the higher up network of the I think Schumann resonance or something like that. Yeah. The 
thus she can edit the memory and history of the objects there, which happen to be real life. Can we also talk about how, uh, how, how uh, Alice ends up getting with her teacher in the end? Yeah, that was... Hmm. <laughs> Not so sure about that. Uh, Maybe she just it was waited different. a little longer. Yeah. Yeah, she just waited a little longer this time. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess, like... I guess, like, if you eventually, like, graduate from school and, like, then start the relationship where you don't... Where you no longer have that sort of weird... Well, power dynamic that's going on between a teacher and student, then, you know, that's... You know, that's a little more acceptable, <laughs> I think. Um, as, as long as everybody knows what they're getting into. It, it was just like, oh, okay, so she did end up with him. I, I do well, like that ending scene. You, you look at you look at the, uh, the thought for a moment. Uh, most teachers are probably seven to ten years older than their students by the time you get to high school. So... That's not too big of an age spread to deal with. Yeah. Also, also fun little detail: the writing on the bo- the writings on the blackboard are C code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not C yeah, plus plus. I, I vaguely C. recognized it, but I don't know how to write C. Uh, so yeah, there, there's, I, yeah. I couldn't tell you what it was doing. Yeah, there's enough uh, little things in the show that we could talk about it for hours. I, I just said hours a while ago. Yeah, and here we are still talking about it. By the way, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Lane could almost be rated as evil just for this part of it, but we're good. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, mob cycle, folks. Maybe yes, no. I forget what I was going to say. Yes, to get to to get to something I can love unreservedly. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Mob Psycho 100, uh, which is just a fantastic series. Um, it it did not go the way I thought it would. Um, though I suppose I should have I should have expected like a kind of knockdown drag out shonen fight at the end, but I do like how it gets subverted. Um, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but, like, man, I I really love how um, both uh, Mob's brother's arc is handled, um, and also just how uh, Mob's relationship with his... um, boss is handled as well boss slash mentor figure uh reagan i believe yeah reagan um yeah he was uh he was my runner-up reagan was my runner-up for uh best male character of the 2016 anime season i can see why now Uh, um (laughs) i understand why you would have made that choice uh having seen mob cycle now yeah Although I ended up not quite, I ended up not picking him as my top choice, but uh, he was close. Yeah, and, and I also like how, uh, yeah, because like sort of, um, 
in the final battle of Mob Psycho, Mob is about to explode, and you have both his brother uh, and I can't. I can never remember the blonde-haired dude's name. Uh, that's uh, Teru. Teru. You have both his brother and Teru saying, "Like, look, this, if there is any time to use your powers on people, this is it. If if you don't do something, they're going to kill us all." And Mob is still afraid that he can't actually control his powers that well, and that even if he uses it to try and save people, he'll end up doing more harm than good. So what's interesting to me about this is not necessarily... It's not really a Trigun situation where it's like pacifism at all costs. What Mob is afraid of is is not like defending people it's he's afraid that in defending people he'll just make things worse um the collateral damage yeah and and his and reagan is telling him look it's okay to run away if like you're afraid that you're it's okay to run away. You do not have to fight if you're afraid that you won't be able to fight properly. Um, and he doesn't say it in so many words, but that's sort of what I got from that scene. Um, yeah. And what Mob ends up doing is he gives his power to Reagan because he knows Reagan will be able to use it without going wild like he would. Um, no, because Mob is still not because Mob is still not ready to handle as much power as he can actually put out. Um, and like the stuff with Reagan just suddenly being hyper competent and just beating <clears throat> the crap out of like the the villains is such a wonderful segment. Well yeah, what's what was also great what, yeah, what was also great is the thing is, is that is that Reagan is actually competent in like dealing with the real world and dealing with adult society. It's just where he's uh, where he's a little bit out of his element is dealing with fundamentally immature people. Yeah, um, which is what like which is what the whole Claw organization is. They're basically yeah. they're basically you know. They're basically a bunch of Chunibyo types who have who who have the real powers to that back to back up their uh, to back up their delusions. Yeah, like Claw is what would happen if you gave four Channers psychic powers. Like that's almost explicitly what they are, because <laughs> like Reagan calls them out as children who never grew grew up to be like well socialized adults. Um. And he even says, like, okay, you're gonna rule the world, what then? Like, how do you intend to do that? Like, what what happens? Like, okay, cool, you conquer Tokyo, what happens then? How do you make people follow you? What do you think the rest of the world is gonna do? You haven't thought this out because you're just a child throwing a tantrum because people aren't, like, praising you. <laughs> and it's... It's such a fantastic move to, like, instead of uh, treat these sort of, like, JRPG-style villains as, like, 
like actual like adult threats to just like completely make parodies of them and to defang them and portray them as what they actually would be in real life uh and i i love what they do i love what Re- what reagan does with that what i also like what i also like about it is what i also like about this show is the way it gives a different side to each character cuz like yeah like okay, because like the the guys from the uh like the like the the weak psychics from the Awakening Lab who get captured, who yeah. get captured, you know, you know, it's like, you know, they turned out they, you know, they turn out to be sort of interesting characters in their own way. Yeah, and and what's great about the sort of the arc with those kids is that, um. It ties into it ties like so well into um, uh, Mob's brother's arc, in that like he is jealous of Mob's power, um, and sort of like when he gets a taste of it by being possessed by uh, God, whatever his name is, uh, the spirit Dimple. Dimple. When he gets possessed by Dimple like and gets the snot kicked out of him um like he's he gets humbled and sort of his through line and redemptive arc uh is taking these students who are even weaker than he is like who feel who kind of feel like they're worthless and going like look no you have like like you have special gifts and you are not useless and I'm going to show you that you're not useless. Um, and in so doing, like, Mob's brother learns to appreciate, like, just being skilled at anything. Um, and, like, learns to appreciate what he is skilled at instead of being obsessed with just raw destructive power. Um, and how they tie his arc into like the the student's arc is like just it's perfect. Yes, the uh, like all in all, like the story, the cons- the, the story construction of this show is top notch. Yeah, there there is just so little wasted time in it, like. It, every, like virtually everything in this show builds into something or ties into a character arc it, it almost everything there is there for a specific purpose which is extremely hard to do it it either takes a lot of planning or it takes someone who is like ruthless with what they cut out because you're not going to get that kind of like concise narrative structure you know your first time out it's just not gonna happen (laughs) that's the result of someone like thinking long and hard about what they need to include um and typically involves like killing your darlings killing a lot of darlings um so i i greatly appreciate that like that one made the effort to have everything fit so concisely 
and like serve a purpose. Like there, there's so little wasted time in this show. Ugh. Yeah, gotta give uh, and gotta give props to uh, the director Yuzuru Tachikawa. Oh yeah, just the way he handled the the way he handled the pacing and the just and like the framing of everything. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful show to watch. Um, uh, Larry, do you have anything to say about Mob Psycho? Ben and I feel like Ben and I have kind of dominated the discussion. You know me. If I got something I want to say, I'll I'll interject. It was. It was enjoyable. Yeah. And, and it's a it's a recommended watch for for most people. I don't think there's much objectionable content within it. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's a very uplifting show. Yeah, actually. Um, yeah, uh, and it, I I like it a whole lot, and I really hope it gets another season at some point. <laughs> yeah, the. Uh... Yeah, because the thing is, there's still uh, there's still uh, plenty more manga to adapt. There's at least another season's worth of manga. And uh, yeah, Mother's Basement actually had a uh, really interesting analysis of the opening theme, which is another thing that was brilliant about this show. Uh, and it turns out, it turns out that a whole lot of the imagery in the opening. Is actually spoilers for later chapters of the manga. <laughs> um, sure, why not? Uh, Ed. Okay. Oh, were you gonna were uh, you gonna say anything else? Also, also another thing about oh, that opening. I love that opening, and like when I was rewatching that, I would never skip it. Yeah, same same for me. I really like the opening. Uh, it was the same for me with Lane. Actually, I, I like Lane's opening a lot too. Um, I like but yeah, the both music. These, so, both yeah. these shows had like really good opening opening uh, visuals and songs. Well, yeah, and what I especially liked about like Bob Psycho's opening is like the last half of it is a continuous take where like like one image morphs into another. Yeah, that's a good point. And and the way they put and the way they put like and the way they uh, like incorporated the uh, credits into the imagery was also kind of cool. I love it when openings do that. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> I actually like it when openings make sense. There's made sense. <clears throat> All right. So, was there anything else we would like to say about Mob Psycho One? Uh, well, okay. Getting back to the character Reagan, another thing I I liked about how it showed like how it showed different sides to his character was how it showed you know even though he was a scammer, uh, like uh. He still had a kind of integrity of his own, in that, in that all the people that he was scamming, you know, except for the guy who was like just trying to find like the location of his father's inheritance, <laughs> uh, you know, 
who totally deserved to get punched in the face for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, like, with that, like, all the people that he was scamming were, like, he always, you know, he always had them, you know, he always left them feeling like they got their money's worth. Uh, even though he had, like, even though he had no powers of his own, he was able to make them feel better without using, you know, he's able to make them feel better about their circumstances. Yeah, what's interesting about Reagan is that, like, in a technical sense, he scams people, but, like, he has actual skills that he uses to, like, actually solve their problems. He's just not actually exercising anything. <laughs> right, right. Because it turns out that their problems don't really have anything to do with spirits. They're just their own yeah. psychological hang-ups. And, yeah. you know, and, like, well, and, and stress. And so he just, like, he relieves that through kind of, like, you know, psychotherapy and massage. Yeah, all these stuff, all these things that he just actually is secretly really good at. <laughs> and, it, and it's a really good, uh, it's a really neat take on the whole sort of, like, uh, uh, con artist gag. <clears throat> yeah. It was enjoyable. Indeed. Yeah, I'm Maybe. giving I'm giving this show a five. Uh, I will also give it a five. I think anything less than a five would have been uh, criminal. All right, so I have some suggestions for uh, the next recording. Right. Um, well, I want to do an older one, and I want to do a newer one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like we're going to do Batman Ninja too. Yeah, so yeah, so obviously we'll get around to Batman Ninja. Uh, so for the the newer show, well, new-ish show, um, I'd like to talk about is Katana Gotchery, um, sort of based on Ben's suggestion from a while ago, uh, because that is one Niso, uh, uh, you know, um, Nisio-owned show that we have not actually covered on this podcast. Uh, let's see, I've seen that show, and it was an interesting show. Yeah, so, so I, yeah, if it's all right with y'all, I would like to cover Katana Gotri. Um, is it a movie or a uh, series? It is a series, 12 episodes, I believe. Uh, the thing is, each of the episodes is an hour long. Okay. <laughs> um, Bingo! So, uh, in that case, that actually might sync up well with uh my other suggestion which is something i have never been able to live down uh and that's cowboy bebop because <laughs> that is a because that is a 26 episode show uh so uh if uh katana Gotri is like one hour episode and it's 12 of them um, that's essentially, like, roughly the same amount of time as, uh, to watch that whole thing as it would be to, uh, watch all of Cowboy Bebop. So, I'd say, like, um, we could either take it, we could either, like, take it in thirds or take it, like, uh, a quarter, uh, at a time. Um, depending on, like, how you wanna do it. I think thirds will be fine. I don't have any conventions yeah. coming up. 
Okay, sounds good. So in that case, uh, we'll do the um, first. We'll do the we'll do the first uh, four episodes of Katana Gotri, uh, and the uh, first eight episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is twenty six episodes. Does it so it doesn't divide perfectly by yeah. three, but we'll make it work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so first eight, first eight episodes of Bebop, first uh, four of Katana Gatari, uh, and then we'll also, uh, yep, and then we'll also do uh, Batman Ninja. Okay. Certainly. Um, so Cowboy Bebop is actually on Crunchyroll, uh, and you don't even need a subscription for it. Oh, yeah. 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 For Katana Gotri, sadly, there's there's not currently a legal way to stream it, which is unfortunate. Uh, so we'll, we'll find another method, um, as, as we always do. But yeah, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I believe I want to check to see if we have any listener questions. I don't think we do. Yeah, so that'll be it for uh, this episode of BakaCast. Um, as always, you can leave comments or questions on our blog at www.projectharhi.net or at audioentropy.com, uh, or you can uh, message me at StiltsTheGM on Twitter. Or, get, or catch me at DeathSlinky on Twitter. And uh, you can catch a Larry in the air, if you can find him. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kidderbush. Kidder